Hello everyone, welcome to another episode of Mastermind.fm. In this episode, we interview the CEO and founder of Xolo, which is a service that aims to attract people to open a business in Estonia or help them do so. And uh, we get into the weeds with how everything works, how the whole Estonian e-residency scheme works. So hope you find that enjoyable. If you are thinking of opening uh, an establishment in Estonia or invoice clients from Estonia, this can be an interesting solution. So let us know what you think about this episode and all the other episodes we've been putting out recently. You can reach out to us on podcast at mastermind.fm and you can also uh, tweet to us at mastermind.fm. FM. See you in the next episode and enjoy the interview with Xolo. Hi, Alan. Uh, welcome to Mastermind.fm. Hi, hi. And nice to be here. All right. So today we'll be talking about Solo. Is it Xolo or Solo? It's actually funny <laughs> because people in different languages say pronounce it different way. Yeah. When we uh, chose a new brand, we actually had audio recordings uh, of Xolo in about 30 <laughs> languages. And you can pronounce it whatever way you want. It's a free country here. Great. Okay, so there's my dad, Joseph, as well with us on the podcast, as usual. And let's just start off with you, Alan, telling us what the service does and breaking down the, the products that you offer. Yeah, sure. So, first of all, and, uh, I'm Alan, Alan Martinson. I'm the CEO of Xolo. And uh, Xolo is about... Soon about six year old company, it was started in May 15. And we have one single mission, uh, and it is to make the life of uh, solopreneurs, or solopreneurs, how we call them, uh, or independent professionals or freelancers, as easy as possible. And our mission statement says that uh, we would like to make solopreneurship a magical experience. And today it is very far from being magic in many places on earth, because there is a lot of bureaucracy, it's quite expensive, there are risks, there are liabilities, and uh, people are afraid of all of the uncertainties. So we try to mitigate it as much as possible. And uh, what we don't do, we don't bring work to people. So we're not a marketplace, and we are not uh, a job board. But we help people to run their micro-businesses. So essentially one-man businesses. And uh, we take care of all of the administrative tasks. We take care of accounting. We take care of the banking component. We provide a legal entity so that people will get a vehicle for the business from us. All right. So I'm going to pass the mic over to my dad who has some questions prepared. And then I'll be jumping in from time to time with some questions of my own. Hello, Alan. Good afternoon to you. Um, I come from the accounting world. I'm semi-retired. I'm 64 years old. I am with John uh, looking at these you know, uh, facilities that, that you offer. It's quite an intriguing uh, set of facilities. I know the complexity of accounting and tax reporting and all that. And uh, this comes as a sort of magic potion. <laughs> that clears all the problems. Initially, when I looked at your platform and you know the, the website in general, I said, gosh, this seems too good to be true in a way. <laughs> but let's explore it by, by asking you some questions. I'm sure that you will give all the answers so that our listeners can fully understand the services that you offer. You've just told us, Alan, that you mainly cater for one-man business, digital nomads, maybe, uh, you know, situations like that. But in your website, you also mention the possibility of somebody opening actually a company in Estonia running a company, you know, remotely, if I understand well. 
Can you please elaborate a bit on this? Yeah, sure. Uh, yeah, thanks. And uh, those things are not uh, exclusive. So we are focusing on people, people who want to open and run their own business as one man business. There is always a question how to register yourself and you can do it in different ways. In most cases in Western Europe, people register themselves as sole traders or autonomous in Spain or Freiburglers in, in Germany and so forth. So uh, which means that they don't have a legal entity. When it comes to Xolo, we provide the legal entity and there are two ways to do it. Either you register your own company in Estonia, which is fully owned, 100% owned, it's your personal vehicle, or you use our own, what is called a virtual company model, where you can actually run your business through a legal entity that we provide to you on a kind of rental or partnership basis. So, But in either way, you will get access to a legal entity and you can run your business through a European registered legal entity. Okay, that's very interesting. Um, there are many countries that do give some problems to uh, somebody who would like to open a company elsewhere, abroad that is, and still manage this company from their own country of residence. And usually this is linked to the permanent establishment. If you have an office, for example, I am based in Malta. Let's say I want to open a company in Estonia, as you are uh, saying. My government here, the local jurisdiction, would tell me, but where is your place of residence? Um, you have an office in Malta, you carry on your business from Malta. Therefore, uh, your profits are deemed to arise in Malta and uh, we will tax you in Malta. Therefore, how does it work with this you know, facility that you are mentioning? Yeah, sure. It's, uh, again, a good question. So first of all, uh, let me start from how opening a company works in case of Xolo. As I said, we have two products, and in one case, you need what is called Estonia's e-residency, which is essentially a digital key, which is provided by the government of Estonia in order for you to access Estonia's digital infrastructure and for you to register a company which you can register and run completely online. And uh, this is not different from you know, like basically owning a company in any, any other country with one exception that you can really do it online very, very easily and uh, take an, uh, advantage of Estonia's business environment and also tax code if it's applicable. And second option is that you can use what we call a virtual company. But in this case, you will not own a company, but you can use a company which we own. And uh, in both of those situations, in both of those products, the taxation works slightly differently. And in order to understand the permanent establishment situation, so you need to make a distinction between those two products. So if you own a company in Estonia, or for that matter, in any other country, obviously, yes, permanent establishment comes to the play, and it is usually written into the tax codes of every single country. But those countries which are members of OECD, as a rule, use what is called OECD model legislation. So it's basically a certain treaty or, or certain template that OECD countries have incorporated in their tax codes, and which includes uh, several criteria for establishing uh, the permanent establishment, and determining the per permanent establishment and in which country it is. So, uh, which means that there is no one universal answer. Uh, it always depends on your, the nature of your business. It depends on where you reside yourself, where is your customers, if you have an office or manufacturing or any other facility, and so on and so on. So this needs to be consulted. 
So in case of Xolo, when it comes to owning a company, we serve as a rule, we serve customers who have, whose permanent establishment is determined to be Estonian, which doesn't have a permanent establishment in any other country, which means that people who run, let's say, nomadic businesses, people who run international cross-border businesses, which are service businesses and no like goods are traded, there is no manufacturing plant and so on and so on. So in this case, um, based on those criteria, which is in the tax law, can be determined not having permanent establishment in any other countries than in Estonia. That needs to be checked in advance. I mean, it doesn't mean that you can't have an Estonian company and run a business with a permanent establishment in Spain, for example. But in that case, you need to be working with tax department of, of Spain and uh, submitting your tax reports uh, and so forth. So, but we as a rule work only with companies which have permanent establishments that in, in Estonia only. And uh, then about the other company or other form of entrepreneurship, um, uh, virtual company that I mentioned. So uh, this works differently. In this case, you as a private individual will have an agreement with Xolo and Xolo's owned uh, business vehicle. And you will get a personal income and you need to de declare your personal income uh, in your home country. So include it in your like, was it quarterly or annual tax returns. But we take care of all of the corporate taxes because we are the company. So you don't own a company. So we, we take care of that aspect. Yeah, I mean, uh, that, that's very, a good explanation. Thank you. Just to be a bit more specific, say my I'm in a co-working right now. All the people around me, practically all of them are freelancers, mostly digital. Yeah. So they, they do software, they're doing consultancy. Some of them have clients in Spain and a lot of them have clients all over the world. Mm -hmm. And a question I discuss very often is we've heard about Estonia. We've heard about the digital citizenship. Can we just register there as a business? Autonomous being autonomous in Spain is a huge pain in the ass. That's the honest truth. Can we avoid that by being out on, uh, by going through Estonia? And from what you're telling me, it's not that easy. So I'd like to clear it. And so the first option that you mentioned with having a company in Estonia, to my understanding, would not be a good option because there's no permanent establishment in Estonia. The second option would be a bit more interesting. However, I would still need to register as an autonomo here from what I understand. Is that right? Okay, but let's again, uh, company by company or option by option, product mm -hmm. by product. So if you being in Spain, a Spaniard, register a company in Estonia, and if you are certain that you don't need to become a Spanish corporate tax resident because your business is global, cross-border, you may not have a permanent residency, maybe you're traveling around, whatever the criteria might be. So you need to check it with your tax consultant in Spain or, or with tax department in Spain. But if you are certain that you don't need a Spanish tax resident, residency for your company. In this case, yes, you can register a company in Estonia and have it only as an Estonian tax resident and uh, pay your basically Estonian taxes, and, uh, which are actually very favorable uh, and very easy to declare through Estonia. So as, as your company, then if you get the personal income from the company as an owner of that company, yes, you still need to declare it as your personal income uh, in Spain and uh, pay your taxes in Spain. If you are a Spanish resident, you might be a resident of some other country. Some people are not residents of any country if they are nomadic. So, but, but uh, 
uh, it's kind of two layers. When it comes to the virtual companies and uh, products that we introduced a year and a half ago, yes, in Spain, you still need to register as an autonomo. Yeah, so basically, if you need to register for social security as an autonomo, it depends on how often you get your income and if you are below a certain thousand euros or, or, or less. So again, those rules differ from country to country. But uh, we make your life significantly easier, even if you need to register as an autonomo, because all of um, business administration happens on our side. Invoicing, expense management and everything, you will get only one single number that you need to declare uh, on your income statement, which is your autonomo income. All of the complexity is hidden from you. So that's the idea of the virtual company product. Okay, so yeah, the, the second option, the virtual company product makes more sense to me as in, I know plenty of people who work for an American company, say, or another European company, but chose to live in Spain. So they register as an autonomo here and they invoice that company, which is outside of Spain. So that's, I understand what in the past I've struggled to understand is kind of this image that Estonia in general gave that it's very easy for freelancers to register a company in Estonia. I never understood it because honestly, if you go to any tax consultant in Spain, the first thing he's going to tell you is it's not possible. Spain will tax you here. And I think most other countries will do the same. Now, when it comes to digital nomads, I agree that it's a much more attractive option because there's no clear ties to any particular country. So that's been my dilemma for for many years and that's why i also was interested in clearing this up with you but let's go step by step let's say we have received a general explanation of what xolo does but let's go step by step then let's say i am based in malta i'm not a digital nomad i'm based in malta i am a freelancer i sell digital products i have a large quantity of sales small value therefore invoicing is a big headache for me mm-hmm. Um, I sell cash and carry, that makes it relatively simple, but I don't want the hassle, I don't understand accountancy, I don't want the hassle, uh, I need to fix my taxes through some tax consultant, therefore that's another big burden. And if I understand well, in Estonia, if you register in Estonia, if your products are sold internationally, there's also a big advantage that you don't pay tax in Estonia. Therefore, let's start with this hypothetical situation. An individual based in Malta or wherever in Europe, and who wants to get rid of the hassle and get this um, administrative work performed um, in Estonia at a relatively cheap uh, price, if I understand well, and hopefully not paying uh, tax in Estonia. Obviously, I have to pay tax eventually in Malta, probably on my income uh, received in Malta. But let's stop there. Therefore, Alan, uh, this is a rather simplified situation, but I think it's important because, as John said, there are many of these uh, people nowadays. How can you help me? Sure. First of all, when you speak about tax, uh, we need to speak up which tax we have in mind. So first of all, when it comes to VAT, value-added tax, that's a pretty universal, harmonized thing across Europe. And um, for example, if you trade through an Estonian company 
and if you export and uh, would it be goods or services you have usually zero percent VAT yes, rate. Yes, uh, apologies. So, uh, I, I want to be more specific then. Um, yes. If you don't, my Italian, I interrupt you. Therefore, I was talking about income tax, profit tax, whatever you call okay, it. Okay, so you speak about with regards cor- to VAT. Yeah. yeah, with mm-hmm. regards to VAT, that's another big headache that I have. Because if I sell digital products, services, whatever, within the EU to non-VAT registered person, I have to report the sales through uh, the MOSS, which is this one one stop shop, through which I have to charge, and this is the big hassle, VAT to the customers according to their country of residence. This is another big problem for me. <laughs> Therefore, would you provide your service for this? And uh, then there is the second issue of the income tax. Yeah, uh, regarding uh, MOS or MOSS, uh, so uh, that's one of the questions where I, I thought maybe it makes sense not to have it as part of the podcast, but the overall uh, absolute majority of our customers, they trade with businesses and they sell to businesses, and uh, so which means that uh, the counterpart is uh, VAT registered. So regarding uh, private customers, non-VAT registered customers, I need to check and I will get back to you now with that answer, so uh, how it uh, works. In, uh, so we do have all of the individual tax rates in our system. So how it really works, um, I need to consult uh, my colleagues because again, it, as a rule, uh, like, I don't know, 99 whatever percent of the business our customers have, it goes to B2B and um, I'm not even seeing that problem popping up. But uh, now getting back to the podcast issues. Um, so uh, regarding corporate income tax, Estonia has quite interesting income, corporate income tax uh, system which doesn't mean that it doesn't have corporate income tax. It does have a corporate income tax, but it is the third. So you pay your corporate income tax only when you pay yourself dividends. So which means that, uh, for example, if you have a company which um, has profits uh, like 10 years, for example, let's assume a million euros of profit every year. In this case, that profit is not taxed by Estonia before you you declare them as dividends and pay. So, which means that reinvested profits into your company are not taxed. And that's very unique. And uh, I don't know if any other European country has this kind of system. So, but if you pay yourself dividends, you will be taxed. And the tax rate is uh, whatever way you present it. But let's say if you pay yourself 80 euros of dividends, you need to pay 20 euros to Estonian government as corporate income tax. And that's corporate income tax. It's not your personal income tax. That's corporate income tax that is paid and taxed in the moment of distribution of those profits. Okay, but let's stick to this situation where I'm a sole trader, mm-hmm. a sole proprietor, and I sell digital services. Okay, let's say I don't have customers who are not VAT registered in Europe or Perhaps they're not VAT registered or they are private individuals, but uh, residing outside the European Union. It makes it uh, even simpler. Um, What's the situation? Therefore, I come to you. You take care of my invoicing out. You take care of my uh, expenses. If I understand well, I would, you know, take um, scan them and send them over to you and you take care of the payments, if I understand well. Therefore, I'm a sole trader um, in Malta. I sell abroad, making it more uh, simple. 
I don't sell to uh, non-vat registered persons or I sell to private individuals, not companies, but residing outside the European Union. Therefore, there is no VAT. Therefore, you take care. If I uh, understand well of all my invoicing, I don't know whether if I don't sell cash and carry, you do some credit control to make sure that I receive all the, the money for my invoices. Then with regards to my expenses, I would scan a copy of all my expenses and send them over to you so that you do my, my accounting. And then file um, any tax returns, be it VAT returns or income tax returns in in Estonia, and, and you would handle all that as well for me. Is my understanding correct? That's uh, very well put, yes. And therefore, all this is possible thanks to this e-residency facility, and uh, do you think that this unique advantage, I, um, I would say, that you have in Estonia, eventually, possibly, it will spread to other countries, I don't know, whether it would be a threat for you if uh, all this hinges on the e-residency facility? What are your comments on that? Yeah, sure. Now, so first of all, let's start from what e-residency is. So e-residency is just a key. It's a, a digital identity which is submitted by the government. So it is not uh, accounting service or it is not the legal entity itself. So it is just the fact that the government of Estonia has told that, yes, Joseph is really Joseph. And they have checked on your background. They have checked on, uh, on your documents, taken your fingerprints and issued you a little plastic card with digital signature embedded saying that, hey, now you are recognized by the government of Estonia of being you, as you tell you. Are and, and you can start using Estonian government infrastructure. So it's like else, a business passport, no? You can call it a business passport if you want. But uh, yeah, it's it's not a residency on its own. You come to live in Estonia. Okay, if you're EU resident, you can do it anyway. But it's not a citizenship. It's not um, uh, like a permanent residency. It is a digital identity which is uh, supplied by the government. And now by using it, you can do all kinds of things. For example, you can uh, register your company online. You can also submit all of your tax returns online. And uh, you can also log in to various services, including ours and so on. So, because that's a government-assured digital identity. Now, we have built a platform which does all of the functions that you just mentioned, including you can do invoicing through it, you can do your expense management, you can connect your bank account, or you can connect your PayPal or Stripe or Paddle and um, all of those accounts. It all becomes merged in one software. Uh, so basically, you can see your money coming in, money going out, your invoices. Uh, you see which ones are paid, which ones are not, and, uh, which expenses you have, which ones are already paid, which ones are still waiting, stuff like that. And uh, your personal documentation and so on and so on. So uh, we have built this platform, which is customer-facing platform, which integrates banking and accounting and so on. And it also integrates with tax department and government services on the background, which means that we are de facto the government interface. So we are a private company, but we are de facto the government interface. You don't need to log in to any tax system anymore. It all happens through our system. You do your, your annual filings, your annual reporting, everything through our system. So yes, you can sign with a digital identity or e-residency signatures that you have been provided, but you do it on our platform. And it works like an, our specially made system for solopreneurs works as a government interface. So that's the only interface you need to see when you work with Estonian government. 
therefore the e-residency enables me to carry on my business remotely, right? Instead right. of uh, a lot of postage and original documentation and all that. We also have this in Malta, and I think that in other countries uh, it's there as well. In Malta, it's called the eGov. Maybe it's not as wide as ranging as in Estonia. Therefore, it provides authentication of the documentation, and I think this is quite important if you want to manage your business remotely. Therefore, as you are saying, Alan, I would have a dashboard. I would know exactly what's going on. Therefore, your system would provide automatic invoices for my customers. And uh, I would have, if I understand well, um, to get the receipts via Stripe or PayPal, or right? Then these gateways will transfer the money to a bank account. Therefore, in that case, what happens? The money goes into TransferWise or LHV, which is an Estonian bank, if I understand well. That's right. so how does it work? First of all, not all people need uh, TransferWise or PayPal. So uh, most people can uh, run their business uh, without connecting them. But uh, many of our customers uh, do connect uh, Stripe, for example, if they need to receive card payments. If they are selling, like bring you an example, like digital goods, like somebody is selling like design elements, for example, five euros a piece and so on and so on. So then they can use Stripe for receiving those payments. They can use also PayPal and it all is integrated to our platform. You can see like how much money do you have on PayPal account, how much you have uh, incoming Stripe payments. And you also have your bank account or IBAN, uh, which can be provided by TransferWise or LHV. And so basically for our system, it's uh, like all separate uh, accounts. And if you log in, you can see, okay, I have so many, so much money on LHV account, so much money on TransferWise, so much um, on PayPal and so forth. And you can, of course, move money between your accounts as you want. So it's uh, all up to you. And if, and if, if I want to have cash in Malta or Jean, for example, is in Spain, he wants to receive cash in Spain from his business, then how is that treated as, as drawings? We were talking about an individual here, not a company. Sure. Uh, if you take cash, for example, you use your card and you take cash from ATM. If you don't have an accounting document which is proving you know, that it is uh, a business expense, in this case, it is treated. I mean, again, it, it can be if it's returned. In this case, it can be like uh, just temporary cash in the hands of uh, board director or owner. But um, if you don't have uh, documentation proving that it is a business expense, it can be treated as uh, your salary. Or so basically, somehow it must be recorded in the books. Like you can't just take cash and it is disappearing. So it must be recorded somehow. So now, uh, if it's treated as salary, if you declare a salary, in this case, Estonia is not um, having a, any withholding on any salaries which are paid to non-residents. So which means that, for example, if you take um, cash and it's recorded as salary, so Estonia has a zero tax rate on that, but you need to declare it as your personal income in, in your country of tax residency, you, where you well, are. Do I have to pay social security taxes? It depends on your country. No, Estonia doesn't require to pay any social security tax. So basically, if you are a non-resident, there are no social security tax withholdings, there are no income tax withholdings for you as a private individual. Okay, therefore I would declare it as income in Malta. Yes, and uh, then you pay your Maltese or if you are a resident okay. of some other country, and, uh, whatever country it is. And, yeah. That's fine. And then for income tax purposes in Estonia, what do you do on my behalf? So again, uh, since you are non-resident, 
so there is no local income tax no filing requirement because uh, it goes to a non-resident. So and at this point, we are not doing your you know, personal income tax declaration in any other country. So which means that if you have, for example, Maltese and the income, in this case, you need to take care of in declaring it uh, yourself. Okay. Therefore, in Estonia, I don't have to pay any profit tax at all. And you I don't a, need to s- submit a tax return possibly because right. I'm a you, resident. Yes, you as a private individual, you don't need to submit. And uh, Estonia is not withholding tax either. Therefore, for digital nomads, if they are in no man's land, you know, roaming from one country to the other, possibly they end up not paying tax at all anywhere. I mean, if they are not <laughs> taking, if not, taking if, a risk, but it is their own risk. Uh, yeah, okay, exactly. we're not giving advice on this. Um, but if I am resident in Malta and am a tax resident in Malta, and then I would have obviously to pay uh, income tax in Malta as if I have my business, you know, being operated from Malta. The only big difference would be that there is somebody taking care of my paperwork at a price, hopefully at a a reasonable price. Therefore, we need to come to that because, as I told you before, I have many transactions, hundreds of transactions, at a very small price. You might have a different situation where you have a few transactions, high value. Therefore, when you charge me, how does it work? Yes, so first of all, we do have customers who have literally tens of thousands of transactions every month. Uh, for example, selling mobile apps or selling uh, like a, a very low value uh, digital uh, goods. And I mentioned like design elements, for example, a good example. So we have different price plans uh, with different levels. Uh, and uh, for example, if you need to integrate with Stripe, uh, in this case, you need to be on our middle pricing tier, which is 119 euros per month. And if you feel that you need a personal accountant, if you need to talk to somebody like uh, dedicated to you, in this case, we have the highest price plan, which is 199 euros per month. But uh, for most cases, even if you have like literally thousands of, of transactions each month, you can be on our middle pricing plan, connect your Stripe account. And uh, we take care of all of the accounting. And, and why we can do it so cheaply is because it's fully automated. We have built uh, integration with Stripe, so documents flow from one system to another uh, without any human typing from one computer to another. So and that's how it can be actually so efficient. Well, 200 euros, 199, you said? And yes, one, one. Well, let's say to, yeah. 119. Yes. We're talking about 1,400 euros per annum, which is relatively, I would say, very competitive. <laughs> Let's put it that way. Jean, do you have any, any questions on, on this? No, the only question is uh, whether you handle software licenses, because again, one of the things that a lot of the people I know do is sell software. And you mentioned the case of mobile apps, for example. Uh, the problem we have is that uh, we have software licenses, and that usually puts us out of these systems. I don't know whether you manage to integrate that as well. So to be clear, when we sell a product, a piece of software, the payment goes to Stripe and then to our accounting system, but we also need to assign a license to the buyer. And then according to that license, the software will work or not. Yes, we are not um, assigning, like we don't have license management uh, functionality. 
So Stripe, for example, uh, they have uh, different functionalities. I'm not fully familiar with all of the complexities that Stripe can offer on their side, but they can offer like invoicing uh, and, and, and stuff like that. So, uh, but we are not offering uh, license management. What are the biggest sectors of clients that you see as in the solopreneurs that people like me and the typical co-working crowd, right? What what do they do and when they come to solo as clients? Yes. Sure. So first of all, we get uh, thousands of people signing up every month and uh, they are mostly coming from Europe. And the background is uh, in most cases in consulting, uh, in IT related uh, professions, in design, sometimes business consulting and so forth. So for the record, uh, Xolo itself does not uh, support businesses that are trading goods or manufacture goods. So uh, we have some partners who can take customers like that, but um, we ourselves are focusing only on services and uh, digital goods, for example, mobile apps or content and stuff like that, or maybe people selling hours uh, or trainings and, and so on. So let's say uh, in this context, uh, 100% of our customers, they are involved in knowledge work and uh, services. Okay, and most of these would be opting for the version where Solo is representing them as the company, I imagine, the new service that you mentioned. Yes, it depends on the needs and the requirements of a person. Uh, so uh, many people who want to have flexibility and they don't have, they don't need a company. They don't need to like uh, acquire intellectual property, for example, on the balance sheet of a company and stuff like that. In this case, uh, they are using just yes, this virtual company model because it is the easiest way how to launch yourself into business by using a company, even if you don't own it, but use it on a contractual basis in Europe. So it takes like 10-15 minutes and you are in business you can issue your first invoice and uh, start trading but people who need something more complex uh, for example ipr or more complex agreements for example and so on those are usually opting for owning a company and how do they usually market themselves let's say i have my own website you know when it comes to invoicing or, or on the website itself do these clients how do they say that ultimately the invoice will not come from them but from another company i might imagine that the client might have a bit of a doubt or a problem there uh, we haven't seen problem with that at all and uh, actually uh, we have seen customers uh, putting it on the website uh, saying that uh, i'm working in cooperation uh, or in partnership with xolo but um, and it's actually usually helps them because it's like um, it creates additional safeguard uh, for for their customers and, uh, and guarantees. But yes, the invoice if you're using if you're using a virtual company, the invoice is coming on behalf of Xolo or our subsidiary, which is called Xolo Go, and it says, for example, uh, Xolo Go. In partnership with Jean Galea, uh, offering you or doing certain design work or consultancy work. And there are also agreements. So Xolo uh, requires the end customer who is buying services from the freelancer to accept the terms and conditions of uh, the client relationship. So basically uh, saying that they, yes, they really bought that, that service and uh, what are the payment terms and stuff like that. And on the other hand, Xolo and the freelancer has what is called a partnership agreement, which means that it is all regulated by a set of two agreements, one between Xolo and the end customer, and then Xolo and the freelancer. Okay, and, and the terms can be uh, customized per each customer, as in I would be able to set which terms I want for my ultimate clients, specifically, for example, if I'm selling designs, I don't want them 
to freely distribute them. Or I want to do something on GPL, which would be open source. So yeah, two so different licenses. So that's right. So there are parts which are standard and which can't be changed. And there are parts that are not standard and which can be customized. And so basically determining what kind of uh, project is being fulfilled and it can be done in stages it can involve this or that and it can include uh, pay- payment of expenses and uh, or not and so on those so are a lot lots of different things that can be customized okay therefore sticking to this um, digital nomad or somebody like me um, residing in malta but working on my own therefore if i go through you the invoice that you generate that goes to my customer. Does it reproduce my uh, logo or my brand? Yeah, so, uh, I mean, if you are using our uh, service as a, uh, by owning a company in Estonia, in this case, you can customize uh, the invoice service ways. I need to check about the virtual company if we include it, uh, your logo or in, uh, in that one as well. I, I doubt. I need to check that. Like, uh, let's keep it out. Uh, but uh, because, uh, again, not most people don't, Actually, it's the first time somebody asks me this question. So, but uh, if uh, you own a company, you can customize your invoices whatever way you want. Actually, it's your company. Yeah, but if I deal with somebody, for example, I'm dealing with John in Spain, and we agree that I sell him a digital service. He receives the invoice through you, but with my logo. Yeah, so as far as I know, I need to double check it again. As far as I know, we don't allow including an different logos and invoices that we issue on our behalf to send customers. So it's basically, it says Xolo is issuing you an invoice. We are in partnership with uh, Joseph. Okay. Uh, okay. But, but um, I would know exactly that. Yeah. yeah <laughs> but I need to dub- double check it's it. Coming, for, it's coming yeah. from me. Yes. Yeah. Are you open to all nationalities or languages? Right now, we now first of all, when it comes to nationalities, uh, we are having different restrictions on different products. So, for example, when it comes to a virtual company product, we require the person to have a bank account in SEPA area. So, a person can reside, I don't know, in Thailand, for example, but have a bank account in SEPA area. And uh, those people must also be, they must pass our KYC, which is a video identification. They must have a valid document from uh, like a valid country and uh, must not belong to a sanctioned country and must not uh, belong to politically exposed persons list. So that's a check we are doing for the virtual company. Uh, with owned company, which is based on Estonian e-residency, uh, you actually pass the KYC by Estonian government. And um, not all countries are eligible to become e-residents. So there are, again, sanctioned countries, and, uh, which may have a problem. So, uh, But um, basically, the first KYC is done by Estonian government. And uh, then we do a KYB, which is know your business. We need to know what kind of business you are in. But um, your identity check will be done by the government. But in the virtual company model, we do it ourselves. Therefore, would you say that the e-residency and the SEPA bank account by themselves give you comfort about uh, the due diligence? For example, if I apply to join you? Uh, yes, yeah, so like in, a, in the virtual company, we check that you have a SEPA account. And secondly, we check in, uh, on you using a video identification, which requires you facing the camera and you showing to the same camera a valid document. 
and we are using a third-party service for that, uh, which is uh, also an Estonian company called Verif. So, which is uh, basically checking on the background, or basically checking if if people and documents match, and they check if you are on sanction list or if you are a politically exposed person. But those okay. are the exclusions. Now, in terms of confidentiality, if I am working in Malta or John in Spain, and uh, we have our own accountant, John would have his own accountant, a confident. You trust him blindly, normally. <laughs> Sometimes too much, but um, <laughs> let's say you have a confident, you place all your trust in him. If I join you, and obviously I have access to all whatever I'm doing in terms of income, payments, whatever, how do you guarantee um, discretion in terms of confidentiality? It's, uh, first of all, it's uh, written into our agreements. So we are your service provider and, and our obligations uh, about your data. Uh, they are in the agreement. They also regulated by the laws. Would it be GDPR in the European context? Would it be accounting service, uh, which is also regulated by the law? So there are different laws, and both pan-European and local, uh, plus our own agreements, which regulate all of that. Okay, therefore... I should have peace of mind from what you're saying. <laughs> in in that context, we are your service provider or accounting service provider, like your confident uh, you just mentioned. So we are keeping our customers' secrets and uh, confidential information, like uh, except in cases where it's needed for some, like, I don't know, investigation, but then uh, it must have a valid, okay. valid reason. I think we have covered a lot of ground. I mean, I just want to go two steps up. And the next step is I'm growing. I want to have a couple of employees, for example, working in Malta or in Estonia or in Spain. Can that be handled or not? Or I can only bring them on board by having them invoicing me as subcontractors. Again, if you own a company and you have somebody else receiving salary, again, if it, since Estonia is not withholding salary and taxes and in this case you can have another person if that person is in estonia in this case we declare estonian taxes if that person is an estonian resident and if you hire an estonian person but that happens very rarely because most of our customers are outside and if you're using a virtual company in this case uh, again there is no employment relationship it's a partnership relationship and if you have somebody else uh, who is uh, wants to be part of that and the schema. So in this case, uh, the person must sign up and sign the partnership agreement with us. Okay, therefore, if I use one of your companies to own a company, therefore, it, everything would be on your own name, right? I would be the owner, ultimate owner, but the government of Estonia, I think you would be recognized, no? You are the company registered. Do you provide directors for the board or do you need to provide directors? No, if you own, if you are the owner of um, a company in Estonia, in this case, we are a service provider, but we are not providing um, directors or nominee directors in Estonia. So the, you will be uh, the director yourself. There is no need, there is no requirement um, in Estonia to have a local nominee director, so uh, contrary to many other countries. So basically, if you decide to register your company in Estonia, you will be a shareholder, you will be support director, so, uh, and uh, you carry full responsibility for uh, running your company. So we are offering you a service based on, uh, on our service contracts and the laws and so forth, but uh, we are not running your company. 
And uh, if I sell products on credit, I asked you this question before, but I, I would like to have a clear answer on this. Do you cater for that or it's only, you know, cash and carry, that's it? As I said, we are not supporting companies which are trading in goods and uh, we are only supporting companies which are offering services. So uh, which means that if you are offering consultant services or do a design project and issue, you issue an invoice, so we are not at this point offering collection services and, uh, on behalf of our customers. But we can recommend you a collection service if you need. But uh, and okay. yeah. Okay. Therefore, I am accumulating profits in this company, be it through you or in my own name, and I'm not distributing dividends. There is an accumulation of profits, and I want to use these profits to invest in other ventures or in shares or cryptocurrencies. I don't know. It's the topic of the day. How does it work? Do I need to distribute everything, first of all, or can I retain earnings in, in Estonia and use them for other purposes than, strictly speaking, you know, the, the primary company's main line of business? Yes, you can. So that's that's actually the beauty of Estonian tax system as well, and many people are using it and, uh, for that purpose. So basically for wealth accumulation and investing. So if you have your company and uh, you have uh, extra available resources you would like to invest so you can do it of course it must be within the law for example if you get um, any capital gain and later distribute them as dividends you need to pay your profit tax at the distribution dividends as we just discussed but yes you can invest into your assets and uh, something that i asked before if the profits are derived from revenues um, taking place outside estonia is there any tax advantage for the company? I mean, as opposed as opposed to um, profits derived from revenues, for example, that take place in Estonia. There is no difference. There is no difference. So basically, if you, for example, earn one million euros from Estonian customers, or if you earn one million euros from customers from outside of Estonia, it does not make any difference. It's uh, just a revenue. Of course, VAT taxation might be different, but it is um, when it comes to your corporate income, it doesn't make any difference. So, uh, for Estonia. Example, in, Malta, yeah, in Malta, there is an advantage in, in that uh, the company pays the tax 18 months after its year end as opposed to others um, that have to pay their tax within within nine months. But uh, Joseph, uh, let's re remember that Estonia does not require you to pay tax at all unless you distribute dividends. So basically you can okay. accumulate in, uh, as long yeah, as you want. Th that's, that's very interesting because if you don't have to distribute the dividends, therefore you don't pay tax, you keep growing. This is a huge advantage I think that you have. You keep growing, you can go into other ventures through the Estonian company and, uh, you know, keep growing, 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 actually without having the cash flow going out because of tax. Eventually, someday, obviously, I have to pay it because <laughs> it doesn't make sense to keep accumulating, accumulating without taking any dividend. Someday you have to <laughs> dividend, I would imagine. But that that's a great advantage, I would say. Yeah, I think uh, we're, it's time to wrap up uh, podcast. I want to be respectful of, of the time, uh, Alan, as well. So unless you have some uh, further comments from your end, we can wrap it up here. And maybe you can guide our listeners to where they can learn more about your products and perhaps even about the Estonian system, uh, because it's quite a unique system in Europe, as we've been talking about. And I'm sure that many of our listeners will want to know more 
about how Estonian taxation works and then also about the products that you offer. Sure. Yeah, to sum it up, uh, Xolo is designing a platform for European solopreneurs, uh, one-man businesses, to set up as quickly and easily as possible and offering a great service for accounting and the integrated platform to run the business. And also, in many situations, not all, but in many situations, people can get advantage of Estonia's tax system. And um, in order to take a closer look, uh, the easiest way is to uh, come to our website, which is xolo.io. So we have lots of uh, different blog posts and articles and uh, and uh, FAQs or frequently asked questions uh, listed on our website. And we can also give you answers uh, through our customer support to direct you maybe to some other resources if uh, our own website is not answering all of your questions. One last question, uh, Alan, from me, because I forgot to ask you this. What happens with audits? Therefore, I have a company through you or in my own name. Do I have to undergo an audit by an external audit firm? Yeah, it depends on how big you are. And so, so on, uh, like audit, uh, the criteria, so have, there are three criteria, and uh, two of them uh, shall be met in order to, for you to become the subject of obligatory audit. I would say, in our case, uh, almost no customer reaches those levels because and it, it is basically assets, uh, number of employees, and uh, revenues. So those three criteria and, and they need to be looked at in, in, uh, in combination. So almost none of our customers reach that level. But um, if you do, in this case, we can, of course, recommend you a service provider. Okay. Very interesting. So thanks again, Alan. And uh, yeah, thanks for all the questions that you answered and for the unique service that you offer. And yeah, hope everybody enjoyed it. Thanks. Thanks so much. Thank you. Joseph. Thank you. Take care. Thank you. Bye. Bye. So there we go. Hope you enjoyed this episode. I highly encourage you to give us some feedback about the previous episodes and this episode as well and if you like what we've been producing please leave us a review on itunes it would be very very helpful for us to know how we're doing and you know you can reach out to us at podcast at mastermind.fm if you would like to have any type of suggestions or want us to interview someone in particular please do reach out and stay safe and we'll see you in the next episode